It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Thursday morning, and folks, you know what that means. We are just hours away from opening day. It has been a long off-season. It's been a long spring training But the time is finally here, and we are just a few hours away, Brendan, from hearing those illustrious words from Pat Hughes that Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. Do you feel like it's opening day? In some weird way, I feel as if the offseason went by so long, but at the same time, it does feel like we were just recording during those late September games. It's just surreal to me, Corey, that we're back at it. It's going to be John Lester's fifth year. It definitely is weird because it does kind of simultaneously feel like forever since the Cubs last played a meaningful baseball game, but in reality, it hasn't been that long. So it's kind of it's kind of slow and fast at this at the same time. It it creeps up on you, but I, I think the reality of it will set in once they're actually playing. I think like the lead up hype doesn't necessarily feel as real, obviously, as when you know Mike Miner is on the mound throwing that first pitch <laughs> for the Texas Rangers. Um, but I look forward most to just it getting going. It's kind of like ripping that Band-Aid off. Like, I, I, I do my best not to get overly worked up in these early series. Um, and I think, you know, the, these teams in particular over the last couple of years have taught us not to freak out if they don't, you know, come out like they did in 2016. But I just, I, I just like getting that Band-Aid ripped off and knowing like, okay, it counts, it's real, like we can settle in, like, and, and everything is is underway. So that's what I look forward to the most. Seeing John Lester paint those cutters on the outside corner, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, but yeah, man, like the, the, the first thing I think of with opening day, it's weird, but I just do, is that one opening day when Corey Patterson had seven RBIs against the Mets. 
I want to see. It was like I think that may have even been two thousand. I think that's two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. That was uh, that was a very magical year, Corey. Mm-hmm. But I'm always reminded of like getting off of school. I was listening to Pat Hughes, and he was just going nuts with Corey Patterson's seventh RBI. So yeah, definitely. I think you know you always look for like who makes that initial first impression because of course, and we've talked about this before. Like they play Thursday, and then they're off on Friday. So for better or worse, whatever happens in this opening day game you know, you kind of have to like let it linger for a a day or two. So if, you know, somebody goes off and has a big day, you know, they'll kind of be like the hero of the season for, uh, you know, just a brief period. So that that is certainly always fun. But if you guys listen to the first part of our season preview with Michael from Bleacher Nation, um, that was a a great discussion. And I think we kind of looked at things uh, from like that, that big, macro perspective, kind of just general thoughts on on heading into the season. And today we're just going to do our best to uh, get you guys prepped for this opening series, offer some some last thoughts before things really get going. And, and, and that'll be that. And then, uh, you know, by the time you're done listening to this, uh, it'll be about time for the Chicago Cubs to be playing real baseball again. So the first thing that I want to do is uh, run through what will be the active roster. And as Brendan and I are recording this, it's Wednesday night, we haven't gotten the official, official word on this yet, uh, but we do know what it's going to be. I think they just have to figure out where they're going to place certain guys and you know what the injury situation is with a couple guys, etc. But going through this roster, just to, uh, as we usually do, give everybody a lay of the land, uh, your position players are as follows. Wilson Contreras and Victor Caratini will do the catching. Javi Baez, David Bodie, Chris Bryant, Daniel Descalso, Anthony Rizzo, and Ben Zobrist will be uh, your middle, or excuse me, infield options. Uh, some of those guys, Ben Zobrist in particular, will also make it to the outfield, which will also include Albert Almora Jr., Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber, and your last man on the bench, Mark Zagunis. Mark having a big spring and getting the opportunity to at least join the club uh, in the early going here. I think especially interesting as the Cubs open in an American League park. Perhaps we see him DH in uh, one of these games, but we'll have to see uh, ultimately what Joe decides to do. You all know the starting rotation. Uh, That will be John Lester, Hugh Darvish, Cole Hamels, Kyle Hendricks, and Jose Quintana. I believe we're still waiting on word as to when the last two will make their debut. That was the order it was in spring training, so I presume uh, that those two begin that series with Atlanta in that order, but we don't have official word on that yet. But the first three will go in the order that I read them. So John Lester will go on opening day, Hugh Darvish on Saturday, and Cole Hamels on Sunday, both of whom obviously facing their former team in the Texas Rangers. Your bullpen will be as follows, and this one's going to change a lot, folks, so uh, I I would not get too attached to (laughs) this exact iteration of the Chicago Cubs bullpen because we may see uh, a lot of shuffling here throughout the season, Uh, but at least to begin the year, we will see Pedro Strope, Randy Rosario, Mike Montgomery, Brandon Kinsler, Carl Edwards Jr., Steve Ciszek, Tyler Chatwood, and Brad Brock. So, uh, the, the thing of note there, kind of like Sagunas, Rosario was quote unquote, the last man in, he was competing, uh, with Kyle Ryan and Alan Webster in those last couple days of spring training, but they decide to go with Rosario at least to start. So Brendan, uh, I will throw it to you, but those are your 25 Chicago Cubs to begin the year in Texas. Uh, I know we've broken this down a lot, but anything uh, that you'd like to offer up just in in hearing those names read out? Yeah, I mean, if you were to have read me that that lineup and that complete roster four months ago, I would have thought you were insane, just expecting more from the off season, but I've like Corey, I've really grown to the idea of throwing the same guys out there, at least offensively. And we've done a lot of different coverage and breaking down what went wrong, what what actually went right during that twenty eighteen season. And ultimately there's so many things to be excited about. I'm excited about Schwarber. Uh, I think we all expect KB to rebound. 
Rizzo, of course, is going to be the same guy as 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 he is every single year. And I've said it in the past, but I think with David Bodie, that's extremely encouraging what he's done this spring training. He's going to get more of an opportunity now that Ian Happ is in AAA because Happ was actually competing for some time at second base. So ultimately, I'm just I'm just excited. It's it's probably influenced by the opening day eve, so to speak. But I'm I'm excited, man. I, I just, there's a different vibe around this team, and a lot of the guys have talked about it. It's a greater sense of urgency, of course. And for for that, I'm just I'm just stoked. I'm I'm ready to go. And with someone like Zagunis, uh, you know, the, the, the Cubs have shown, and we've seen this, and, you know, obviously David Bodie making the team and, and the role that he may be able to have is a good example of this. But this team has shown, and, and obviously they have really shown in the last week or so here with uh, starting Ian Happ and AAA, that, you know, if you produce to a certain level, like they're, they're going to try to get you opportunities. And, you know, granted, we talked about kind of like that, Maybe Hap is is not the only one who could have been judged in in that way in terms of needing more seasoning, etc. But in terms of the major league team, like if Mark Zagunis gets a shot here in this early series and really shows them something and 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 hits and does some of the things that we've seen him do throughout his minor league career and in spring training, you know that there may be a way for him to earn more of an opportunity. So and and yeah. you know certainly with Rosario in the bullpen. This bullpen is, as we talked about, kind of in flux in certain ways. And if you can stand out and perform, there there may be a, a bigger opportunity for you. So I think that in this early going, as we talked about really all through spring training, I think that that's the most interesting thing in the early going is how does someone like David Bodie do? What is his role in the early going? And what does he do with it? You know, what is da- where is Daniel Descalso playing? How often is he playing? How is he performing? Like, I think there's just a lot of potential for change in this group. There, there's a lot of constants in this group that we know. But there, there is opportunity for people to really carve out a spot for themselves and, and make it so they can't be taken out of the lineup. And, and so I think in the early going, it'll be interesting to see who really, uh, you know, grabs that brass ring, so to speak, and, and you know, really takes the bull by the horns. I'm just going to throw out as many cliches as I possibly can. <laughs> um, but it, it'll it'll be interesting. And, and, and the one thing that I wanted to mention, you know, just while we're on the subject and kind of reading off these names, can we take a second, Brendan, and just pause and talk about how filthy Pedro Strope looked the other night against the Boston Red Sox. Pedro Strope, his first time back in a game uh, since the minor league hamstring, uh, the minor league, the minor hamstring injury (laughs) that he suffered that we talked about and worried about, but ultimately it, it was fine. He comes back the other night in the game against Boston. He pitches a, a perfect inning, allowing no runs, no hits, no walks, and he strikes out Andrew Benintendi and Mookie Betts in the process with pitches that are just nasty. The swing he gets from Mookie Betts, of all people, right, is yeah. disgusting. He makes Mookie Betts look silly. So At that moment, I, I was ready. When I saw that, yeah. finish, I was like, all right, pack the bags, get the up. planes, let's go to Texas, wrap it up. We've seen enough. Let's do it. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, like this isn't to read too much into a spring training outing, but this was just like, not only is this guy healthy and feeling good and, and comfortable enough to go out on the mound, but he is throwing absolute filth right now. So whether Brandon Morrow is ready soon or whenever, uh, I think Strope is more than ready to step up into whatever role the Chicago Cubs need him in. And if you had any question of that, he did his absolute best to, uh, you know, squash those concerns the other night because he was absolutely nasty in that outing. Even C.J. Edwards, Corey, flashing that changeup. And he's still doing the whole Kenley Jansen delivery type thing. Mm-hmm. So that's stuck. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of trends to follow, but seeing Carl Edwards Jr. get back to his peak form consistently, like we've seen Carl, you know, for a few stri- uh, weeks or so, look completely dominant. And if he can regain that and extend that and be more consistent, the bullpen 
although it looks like it, it like like it does have some holes, could really strengthen up. You know, that's one of those things where you know you watch Quintana trying to work that changeup in more. You watch Edwards trying to develop that changeup, and you you know you really hope. And I I would assume that this is at least partially the case. But they do have a very successful veteran in that clubhouse uh, who uses that changeup a lot. So I certainly hope that they are taking use of that resource. And of course, I'm referring to Cole Hamels. So it's uh, it's very intriguing to see everybody tossing those changeups around because we have heard them talk before about how valuable Cole Hamels was in the clubhouse last year and how a lot of the guys really enjoyed being around him and learning from him. And, you know, that certainly seems like an area where we might be literally seeing that influence uh, in a couple guys gaining more confidence with their changeup and having that veteran resource to lean on. Theme of the start of the season is changeup. I think you're right. I think really, if you look at the rotation and at the bullpen, kind of... Q and Carl are anchors, so to speak. I think if both those guys settle in, give the Cubs their peak performance, it, it solves a lot of issues. But in addition to those changeups, though, Corey, I think with Tommy Hadovy coming in, being fresh, monitoring those pitch repertories in the first few weeks will be, I think, informative in terms of what they're trying to actually change, especially for someone like Lester, who is experiencing a little bit of velocity dip. Uh, velocity dip. It will be interesting to see what he does to potentially combat that, right? So, yeah, I think the first few weeks, it's easy to get wrapped up in the results, but those short-term peripherals or those short-term trends will give you more of a story and more of what to expect, you know, maybe in, in the first two months. Absolutely. And and since we were talking about Strope, I, I want to read this quote from him the other night. This was after his, his outing uh, that I was just talking about. And he said, quote, I was just talking about it earlier today. This team looks exactly like 2016. We are really committed. Everybody is pushing in the same direction. It's not like we hung over because of the World Series or blah, 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 blah. I really like the vibe. Did he and say blah, 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 blah? I read as many blahs as was was in the quote. <laughs> uh, Jesse Rogers from ESPN typed this one out, so I don't know if that's— How uh, many blahs was that? Yeah, so the like exact five? amount of blahs, but I read yeah. five. That's how many are, are in the quote it's here a lot in the of tweet. Blahs. So, it's a lot of blahs. But, you know, look, like this is one of those like where nobody expects them to say anything else, but— I, I I love hearing this from guys, and you know it 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 dawns on you that Strope is someone who has been around this team for quite some time. And there was a, a good tweet from uh, Jeff on Twitter at EB Softball, where he pointed out that there's only four guys who were on the opening day roster in 2015, not ultimately on the roster. Obviously, that's a larger number. Uh, but on the opening night roster in 2015, and Pedro Strope is one of those guys, and he yeah. was here even before that. So hearing him say something about the vibe of this team and the energy around this team, I do take a little bit of value in it. I, I think that he would know, and I am at least enjoying the fact that there is a confidence there is a hunger amongst this group which I think is to be expected given the way that last year ended so yeah I mean I I I read something like that and and you know like you were kind of saying like I'm ready to go like this team feels ready to go I like the confidence I like the hunger and I'm I'm ready to get it going here yeah and I was reading a, a great piece by the athletic and it was kind of like a collaboration between Sahadev and Patrick Mooney and they outlined in phenomenal detail the changes internally that the Cubs want to in, want to implement this season. And so it's worth a read. It's it's a subscription paid base, but just a few points I want to bring up, which I thought kind of caught my attention. One of the points they want to do this year is circling ten games and challenging the group to win all of them. Yes, right. So. They get their calendar out. They put it on the bulletin board. This is just how I'm envisioning it. Who knows they're doing this? But they go in and they circle a week and a half. And they say, they tell themselves, we're not losing a game. And I, I, I love that. And it's such a startling difference, I think, from years past. And when the Cubs did lose early on in both 2017 and 2018 to some degree, 
all the the post-game interviews by the players. And to their credit, like we echoed the same thing. Uh, it was always kind of like, relax, we got this, we mm-hmm. know what to do. We've been there before. And we've heard that from everyone, from Chris Bryant to Rizzo to, to, to everyone, right? This this is a different vibe in the sense of urgency right out of the gate is completely tangible. And we never heard anything like that, even in even in 2016, Corey. It's, it's an odd balance that the Cubs have to strike because obviously they've been very successful since 2015. There, there is literally no debating that. But at the same time, for two straight years now, you have not gotten the result that you wanted. And unfortunately, in just that two-year span, are in a certain way trending the wrong direction. Obviously, you won more games in the regular season in 2018 than 2017, but don't go as far in the playoffs. So, you know, kind of like take your pick uh, on the outcome there. But it's it's an interesting spot where, you know, you don't want to overreact and say like, you know, this team stinks or anything like that, or that 2018 was, you know, the biggest failure ever because it wasn't, right? Like they, they win 95 games and, and they make the playoffs and it falls apart at the end. But keeping everything in context, like they're still performing at a, a very high level and, and, and one of the most successful teams in the league, you know, over the last few years. So it's, I think about striking that balance of, you know what, like we need to look inward and Theo has talked about this a lot, uh, that, you know, we need to look inward and we need to be amenable to changing things up a little bit, not because things were awful or, you know, unacceptable on the whole, but just because, you know, just because you've had success doesn't mean that you can't change things up if if you're not ultimately getting the exact results that you want. So I, I did read through that piece on the athletic. It's a very good piece uh, that I that I would recommend reading if you if you have the subscription there. But I, I yeah no I think the the reaction to that piece was a little strange to me. I think that some people took uh, you know the. The, the clubhouse restrictions or like you were just talking about, Brendan, you know, the kind of yeah. like circling of the trap games, which like you said, we've complained about how sometimes Joe would throw out, you know, like a quadruple A lineup on some of those <laughs> uh, potentials to sweep days. Wait, isn't it quadruple A like literally professional baseball though? Like MLB? Quadruple A, right? Well, I think the the phrase quadruple A would would typically mean guys who don't really belong in the major leagues but are too good for the minor leagues. But it's just an expression. Um, You know, and I I thought that the reaction to some of it was a little strange. Um, It all seemed very normal to me. A lot of teams have policies about nutrition and alcohol consumption and sleep and rest and this and that and the other. And kind of like I was just saying, like a lot of this just reads as things have been very good for the Cubs organization, but we need them to keep moving forward and and keep getting better. So I didn't take any of these uh, changes or, you know, kind of the front office maybe getting a little more hands on with Joe to be a negative thing or or an indictment of Joe or anything like that. I, I, I just think it's pretty simply like you have not gotten the exact results that you want. And you you kind of always have to be open to change and trying things a, a different way to bridge that gap between, yes, we've been very successful, but the last two years we haven't hit our ultimate goal. I think this is going to be a transitional year in terms of just leadership, so to speak. I think we've, we, we haven't seen KB like really be vocal to some – we've seen some instances, but but not like this. And the team is getting older. And there's been a greater sense of urgency to, you know, speak up and have more accountability. So, yeah, on the field, you want to see them change and have these different implementations translate to success. But that's kind of like almost a short-term thing as well. I think what could what could unearth out of this experience and out of this season is like a more vocal Chris Bryant or more vocal Anthony Rizzo. I don't know how much more vocal he can get, but or maybe some other guys who just kind of like step up a little bit. Someone like even Javi who really did say some things towards the end of the year last year that that looked as if he was owning more of that leadership yeah. role. So for 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 the, as much as we talk about the on the field stuff and this being a critical year for those career arcs, I think it could be a critical year just for like the clubhouse development so to speak. 
Yeah, and so that does bring us to something that I I, I want to discuss that we have to discuss. Uh, I did want to kind of you know run through the roster and and focus on opening day in particular, but a, as we talk about the clubhouse and and the overall vibe, uh, we do have an extension to discuss, Brendan, at least time, uh, for a second here, and it's particularly important because really. Recently on on these episodes, we have discussed that, you know, look, if the budget is what the budget is for this year and you didn't go out and spend on free agents, you're not going to look at Craig Kimbrell, you're not going to look at Bryce Harper, fine. But when you talk about needing money to lock up these guys in the future, we need to see it, right? Like, do not mislead us then in that as well. And the Cubs put up, at least in in terms of one of these guys, and he is uh, a member of, I think, that kind of core group that you and I were looking at, Brendan, and that would be none other than the professor, Kyle Hendricks, signing a four-year extension uh, with a vesting option for the fifth year. So the professor will be uh, lecturing, if you will, <laughs> to use a really awful pun, in the Chicago area uh, for the considerable future here. And before I throw it to you, I would just say my my honest reaction when I read this news, I let out, like, I pumped my fist and let out a loud, like, let's go. There, there was a word in between the let's go, though, knowing you. Um, yes, but this is a family-friendly podcast. It is, it is, always has been, PG, always will be. Yes. Yeah, always will be. Always clean lyrics. You can count on that. But... Yeah, man, I, I needed that. It's been like, when was the last time we actually extended a young guy? It has to be the Rizzo deal, right? Like the last time we actually had one of these types of deals. So yeah, like thank, thank God. Like my reaction wasn't like a let's effing go. It was more just like, oh, like a deep breath. So yeah, that's fair. Uh, especially with all these rotation concerns, uh, you know, kind of in the back of our minds. So yeah, well-deserved, Corey. And I was just rewatching some Game 7 highlights and, of course, rewatching Kyle Hendricks throughout that entire postseason. Is there a more clutch right-handed pitcher? I, I know you, you were getting a little bit scared there, but in terms of a righty for, for the Cubs, like Kyle Hendricks is the guy. Like postseason, he's pitched in, what, three deciding games now, including that Washington game in 2017? Mm-hmm. Well-deserved, Corey. So I'm very, very excited that he'll be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I, I think this is also one of those deals that, you know, perhaps on, on the open market, uh, I would think that Kyle maybe could have gotten more money, uh, but he will get paid an awful lot, um, and it gives him security, uh, you know, likely through uh, perhaps the 2024 season, at least through the 2023 season, uh, where, you know, in those middle years, he'll be making about $14 million a year. So all in all, a good deal and a great deal for the Chicago Cubs to have someone that has been as productive as Kyle Hendricks in the fold. And I, I think that this is important too. You know, we kind of jumped into this based off of the clubhouse discussion. Like, I think showing that you are in these discussions and willing to reward the guys that have been a big part of this core going forward is important to, you know, the overall mindset of this team. It's good for these guys to know that they're going to be taken care of and they're going to be rewarded for what they've done. And like you said, I mean, there there is not uh, that there is an argument to be made that that Kyle Hendricks is you know one of the if not the most important like Cubs pitcher in in postseason history. I mean this is a guy who pitches Game Six of the NLCS the night the Cubs win the pennant. This is a guy who starts Game Seven of the World Series the night that may I remind you the Cubs win the World Series in twenty sixteen. Yes. Yep. Yep. And yep. in all of these outings he is absolute nails. So it it's. It's exciting, and 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 one of those things where, man, Brendan, can we talk about like just for a second, like how bad was this trade for the Texas Rangers? I mean, they get what half a season of Ryan Dempster of all people, <laughs> and the Cubs are going to get Hendricks for what, like a Ever. decade or something like that yep. at this point? Like, yep, man, literally a decade. Yeah, yeah, that did not work out uh, for the Texas Rangers, but uh, 
not really our problem, I guess. We'll, 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 I, you know, the Cubs are obviously there now. So, you know, maybe they can send over a gift basket or something like that to, uh, John Daniels in the Texas Rangers front office. Thanks for this, buddy. Yeah, uh, this is, <laughs> this has really worked out for us. Um, Kyle Hendricks, since he debuted in 2014, I, I'm just going to read his year by year numbers because they're so good. So he debuted in 2014, 80 innings. He had a 2.46 ERA and a 3.32 FIP out of the gate. 2015, still a pretty good year, a 3.36 FIP, 3.95 ERA. 2016 basically was right up, right up uh, with the Cy Young voters. He had a 2.13 ERA, a 3.2 FIP. 2017, a 3.03 ERA, a 3.8 FIP. And of course, last year, a 3.4 ERA, a 3.8 FIP. Career numbers, Corey, 3.07 ERA. 3.52 FIP in 789 innings. That is insane yeah. that he's been there this long. And he's been a staple in this complete culture. And I think when you look back at this era, you can make the argument that Arietta kind of transformed and, and gave the Cubs their image. And you can make the same argument for your boy Lester, but Hendricks has been here from the start. He's been the consistent plug in this rotation year in year out, and to extend them for what will be a decade, that's like almost worthy of retiring 28, Corey. I, I got to say, when you're All there right, for I a gotta decade- I got to say, you throw that around way too often now. This, like really just on, in the last on, few weeks, on. we've talked about Lester, I've, you've talked I've about only Strope, talk- you've talked about Hendricks. I mean, we're going to end up retiring, you know, zero to 100 at this point. And what's the counter argument? Like Strope's no, I'm not, the best I'm not necessarily saying that, but it's, like these it's guys just like, it. you know, we can't retire every number here. But I, I do want to read uh, a stat from Chris Komka, who we've mentioned a lot on here, a great follow, especially as the, as the season gets underway. He's he's uh, one of those guys that I think is a wizard with the baseball reference play index uh, and really just throws out some, some really awesome stats. But a stat from him, the active ERA leaders with a minimum of 100 starts. Number one, Clayton Kershaw at 2.39. Number two, Jacob deGrom at 2.67, who signed an extension on the same day as Kyle Hendricks. Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, Chris Sale at number three at 2.89. Madison Bumgarner at number four at 3.03. And number five in all of baseball. As you just mentioned, Brendan, 3.07, Kyle M. Effen Hendricks. So Fergie Jake, I'm, I'm a little, I'm still peeved that you you brought up the retirement oh, okay. jersey thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going back there. <laughs> Fergie Jenkins pitched only seven full seasons with the Cubs, and they were phenomenal seasons. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be Kyle Hendricks. 10 seasons. Yeah, look, I, I, like, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily debating the merit, but I'm saying if you look in context of like the, the, the organization's history, right, there's a reason that 2016 was such a big deal, right, when they win the, when they win the World Series, uh, just to remind everyone again. <laughs> and if we are looking at the value in terms of franchise history of just these last four seasons and like who was a part of it— you could probably make a pretty good argument that the number of numbers you need to retire is several, right? Because like even just thinking about it loosely, you could make a, a pretty easy argument. And obviously some of them still have a large portion of their career to go. But like you could be looking at Hendricks, Strope, Lester, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez is building a case as we go forward here. Like that's a lot of numbers, and I yeah, like go so hit them think, up. I have no issue with that. I, yeah, I mean, hey, look, the, just start start using letters. I don't care, right? Like if you run <laughs> out, like it doesn't make a difference to me. I'm just saying, at a certain point, you're throwing out the let's retire their number almost on an episode by episode basis here. Yeah, I, I remember Kyle. Had, well, I mean, first off, I think that's justifiably so. But anyway, we love our guys. Yeah, no, I'm not. Do. I'm not faulting you for that. I guess I'm taking the practical uh, approach. You know, we don't have that many numbers, Brendan. I mean, look, we're not the. You know, it's not the, like the Yankees. They have no more single digits. But uh, what I was going to say is, I remember like even Kyle Hendricks' very first start, and he was throwing against the Reds, and I was just listening in my car. I couldn't watch it for the first few innings, and. Hendricks seemed so nervous, and I remember so vividly even Pat saying that. I wish there's got to be a way to find that audio. We got to find that, Corey. But in my mind, I'm just, the reason I thought of that was just because when you're listing off all those deciding game starts, 
that's wild that he got to that point. It was only a few years ago where he was debuting. He was walking guys, I believe, in that first mm-hmm. inning. And to get to that point, man, that's just so remarkable. So, yes, if he continues to do what he's doing, 10 years of this type of value, hang the number up. But I was we, we got to find that after, after we're doing this, after we, after we record this episode, we got to find that audio because that would be just beautiful content and a great reminder of just how far he's honestly come in five years. For sure. And, you know, we, we discussed when we were kind of talking about these potential extensions that I, I, I do think, you know, I, I, I do think he's, he's a guy who can age well, even with a sort of unconventional set of, of pitches and, and velocities, just because he's a very smart guy. And I, I think he's just one of those guys where as long as he's got bullets, he will figure out a way to change speeds, change eye levels, and manipulate the hitter to get results. And I, I think that, you know, having him in the fold, it just adds stability to this rotation as we go forward. Obviously, you don't know, uh, even going into this year, what you're going to get out of our, our grizzled veterans in John Lester and Cole Hamels. I, I would love to see Jose Quintana kind of get back to uh, some of those, you know, t- near or top of the rotation starts that, that he was uh, kind of routinely putting out for the White Sox year after year. And I, I very much hope that you Darvish is healthy. Uh, but, you know, as we look to the future, you know, years from now, right? Like it's hard to project who's in that rotation. And it's, it's nice to know like Hendricks is our guy. He's going to be there and we can just look forward to, you know, some more years of him doing his thing out there. So I didn't want to bury that in the episode as deep as we are. Uh, I, I think it, it, you know, is certainly a top of the program topic, but since it was a couple days ago already and today is literally opening day, I figured we kind (laughs) of go to the opening day excitement first and then, you know, kind of relitigate this extension that I'm presuming most of you guys already know about. That's one of those things like where, of course, we report a a podcast and then what was it? The next day they signed him to an extension. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of just how it is, but uh, not, not much we can really do about that. But Anyway, that is uh, where that is. And and to take it further, Theo said, you know, we kind of did this one under the radar, so to speak. I mean, we're really like, what, a week and a half removed from the comments from Chris Bryant about it, where he said, like, I don't know if they're talking to anybody. I haven't heard anything. Uh, so, and then we get this, which is kind of typical Theo and company fashion uh, to kind of go under the radar there. So who's next? If you had a bet, who's next? Um... Wow, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm Javi go with Rizzo. or Rizzo if they're I'm looking go, there. Yeah. I do, I feel like the the KB one is just going to be too much of a project. I'm not. I, I don't know. When what do you mean get, by that? I I, I just think it's going to be the biggest deal, and obviously, you know, he's the the best of the group, and it's going to be the largest sum of money, etc. So I just think that one maybe takes a little longer. Um, oh, that's going to be such a stressful period, though. But I was just going to say that it's good to hear, you know, Theo said after, you know, when they were talking about the Hendricks thing, like, we're going to keep talking to our guys and we're going to keep trying to get things done, you know, in the shadows, I think was almost exactly what he said. So uh, that that was good to hear. Like, they, they're clearly working on this. They clearly have, I think, the same goal that us fans do that that a, a good chunk of these guys need to stick around for a long time so it, it's certainly good to hear that they are uh, looking into that at the very least I want to get back into uh, this particular season uh, as we've mentioned I, I think once or twice on this episode it is opening day literally today uh, as you guys are listening to this on Thursday and I, I want to, I'm going to go through the pitching matchups and, and give you the lay of the land of this particular series here. And then we'll, we'll kind of look at the matchups, what we're looking for this weekend, and maybe toss out, you know, a couple of uh, more predictions or, or things of that sort uh, before we, we jump off the air here. But just to give you uh, the, the series, and this is how it's going to go on Thursday, 
which is today, if you're listening to this as it came out, at 3.05 Central Time on WGN. It is the Chicago Cubs in Texas to take on the Rangers. It is lefty Mike Miner going for the Rangers versus lefty, ya boy, number 34, John Lester. On Saturday, we have our first night game of the year. Again, the Cubs starting on Thursday, off on Friday. So I, I say that, I reiterate that again because I there is nothing worse than not knowing that, Brendan. Like somehow just, you know, not getting that detail and waking <laughs> up on Friday thinking, all right, the season's still going, another Cubs game. And then you're like, no, like no way. Um, so remember, no game on Friday. Don't get your hopes up there. On Saturday, though, we have Game 2 at 7.05 Central Time. This will be the NBC Chicago debut. It will be righty Edinson Volquez for the Texas Rangers and righty Hugh Darvish going for the Cubs. On Sunday, once again at 3.05 Central Time, this one will be on ESPN and NBC Chicago, so be sure to check your local listings for where you are going to get that game. Uh, It will be righty Lance Lynn for the Texas Rangers and lefty Cole Hamels. Of course, uh, the, you know, kind of interesting thing to note here, in case you forgot, Hugh Darvish and Cole Hamels, both Texas Rangers at one point or another in their career, making their return here and starting against their old team. I, I will say it's funny, Brendan. I'm looking at the, the Cubs.com pitcher probables page, and it's it's funny to see they, they, they make the note that uh, Thursday is the Rangers' home opener. Uh, is it? Right. Okay. Uh, good. I figured on opening day they hadn't had a home opener yet, but I'm glad they clarified that. Um, so looking at these matchups, anything that, that jumps out to you, Brendan, and, and, and in particular, further than that, you know, I, I think, uh, safe to say that both you and I are, are not necessarily going to, live or die with the exact results here. Obviously, we see in the beginning of the 2018 season, the Cubs end up winning 95 games, and they started the season by splitting a series with the freaking Marlins, of all people. So obviously, the the first few series and the exact results, uh, a season do not make. But anything that you'd you're looking for in this series that you'd really like to see and result aside like stuff that at the end of the weekend you would say you know what that was a a good start we saw some good things and and I feel comfortable you know now that the season is underway my biggest thing I'm looking for is just how Madden utilizes these righty lefty matchups um especially again because Hap is out of the fold it's a little unclear what he's going to do with Descalso. Like, even Descalso has reverse splits, too. So, against a righty uh, on, on the mound, does Abmora get more chances there? Or does someone like Jason Hayward shift to center, moving Zobris to right, and then Bodie going in to play second base against righties, right? So, there's so many different iterations that Madden could use. So, even in three games, you get kind of a starting point, like a baseline of what Madden has been thinking for for some time in spring training. And that's going to be like the barometer that we use to figure out, okay, what's next? What's the next change? How long will they go with this? We know in the past two years, those experiments have been one, Schwarber batting leadoff in 2017 and a half batting leadoff, of course, last year until he had a disastrous, basically all of, all of April. So I think... This, there's very little to take away, honestly, unfortunately, even though we are pumped up from the opening week, but the pitching takes a while to get a grip on. The immediate thing is just, okay, how much will Descaso play? How much will Almora play? Will Schwarber get more chances against, against lefties? Will Madden go to the bench later in the game to favor that lefty-righty matchup? Those are what I'm looking forward to the most. I think uh, just seeing you Darvish healthy would be the... The biggest thing I think we could get from this weekend, and you know, even the result aside, just that you know he's pumping mid nineties, ninety five, ninety six, maybe touching ninety seven a little bit there, maybe even ninety eight if you've got that uh, kind of like opening day adrenaline, if you will. But just him being healthy and being able to compete is going to be such a big thing for this team that I 
results aside, I would I would be very comfortable in the weekend if he's able to just go out there, give us, you know, a hundred pitches over six or seven innings and I, I, I think we could really call the weekend a win at that point. But I agree. I think that it, it's going to be very fascinating. If if you're uh, someone that likes digging into kind of the nuance of baseball management and roster management and stuff like that, I, I think this is the, this Cubs team in particular is going to be a fascinating one to analyze and dig into because, you know, look, like Wilson Contreras is your catcher, Chris Bryant is your third baseman, Anthony Rizzo is your first baseman, and Javi Baez is one of your middle infield <laughs> positions, right? He's Whatever, <laughs> Wherever you want to put him, fine. Uh, we'll see what happens when Russell comes back. Who knows, right? I'm not even going to pretend to know what they're thinking there. But, you know, other than that, like, nobody really has like a guaranteed spot every single day. I think Hayward in particular is someone who gets in there more often than not. But there's a lot of opportunity for these guys. And, you know, it'll be interesting. Like if does Schwarber get more chances against left-handed pitchers? Does he make those adjustments? Does he turn into that hitter that Theo has always talked about and we've always dreamed of that you throw out there every day, you let him hit, and you do not worry about anything else. Um, does Albert Almora seize full control, right? Like the Ian Happ thing, we, we talked about all the nuances uh, again with Michael in that last episode. If you haven't checked that out uh, yet, I, I would urge you to do so. Um, but it, it certainly opens the door for Al to get in there, hit against righties, and take control of that center field job. The Cubs obviously like him. He's uh, shown a lot in the field, and he's performed at the plate at various times, albeit you know rather inconsistently, certainly in the second half last year. But he's going to have a shot. And you know, like you said, people like Descalso, Bodie, it's going to be fascinating because I, I think the most fascinating part about it is just that. If one of these guys takes off, if David Bodie makes it, Brendan, so that you can not sit him down, right? We've already seen he's played multiple positions. This guy has shown us a lot in the field. He was making barehanded plays left and right. He looks really good as a fielder. If he hits to the level that we've we've seen him. We know that he is, you know, one of the exit velocity champions of of Major League Baseball, but obviously struggled making the adjustment once the league kind of figured him out a little bit in the second half. Uh, you actually wrote a really good post on CubsInsider.com talking about how he's changed his swing a little bit and he's worked all offseason very diligently to combat the issue of elevated velocity that he faced last year. But it's all to say, like, if he makes it so that you cannot take him out of the lineup, what does that do for the rest of this roster? You know, because you brought Daniel Descalso in to play a role. And I don't think that that role was intended to be, you know, that 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 guy off the bench, that last bat type of thing. And, you know, you look at Hap and you look at Zobrist and and, and these other guys, and it, it becomes very interesting if somebody else plays their way into that group of this guy's got to be on the field every single day. Because I think other than those guys right now, we really don't have that. And no one has really made a compelling case for that just yet, right? Right. To varying degrees. So, I don't know, you know, like how soon you, you know, like certainly by the end of this weekend, I, I, we're obviously not going to have like a, ooh, you know, this guy's taking control of the job kind of feeling. But this early portion of the season is going to be rather interesting to see if somebody can, you know, make that claim. Like I am in this lineup every day. Like Joe, I dare you to take me out. You know, what's interesting too, Corey, is like Madden talked so much about uh, Adamas, right, mm-hmm. being kind of that utility player off the bench. They didn't go to him. They went to Zagunas. Right. And to to be fair, we have even ignored him. Not not intentionally, but no one's talking about Zagunas. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who could get those opportunities. Just in the first three games, you get the DH, you got Miner on the mound, uh, get the lefty-righty matchup. There's a reason why Zagunas made the team. And there's a reason why he did so over a super utility infielder, so to speak, in Adamas. 
I think that's worth monitoring. I really do. Because even if someone like Zagunas kind of takes control, you can see how that morphs into a more reliable role. I mean, we saw with David Bodie last year. Bodie was called up in April, had a very successful week against the Rockies. By July and August, he was hitting walk-off home runs left and right. So don't be surprised. Like Even if someone like a Zagunas comes in, has a good week, has you know five, six quality at-bats, a clutch hit or whatever, and Joe, knowing Joe, gives him more of an opportunity to build off of that momentum, so to speak. So mm-hmm. amongst all the storylines, right? Like Zagunas could, believe it or not, be interesting, really interesting to follow. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, you know, kind of a good, like, where we're at. I, I do want to ask, you know, maybe some some broader questions, prediction-style things, Brendan. And this is a question that I've, I've gotten into the habit of asking, I think, annually at this point. Um, and that is, is this the year that Anthony Rizzo finally <laughs> hits more than 32 home runs? He's hit exactly 32 home runs three times in his career, uh, but never over. And so I, I posit to you, is 2019 the year we finally get 33 or more? So the reason he did not get more last year was because of that back injury in April, right? Like it basically sidelined him for the entire month. He was yeah, ends up with 25. Yeah. So like, and then you look at the year in 20, was it 2017, I believe, in the month of September, he was on pace for well over 32, and you even mentioned it like at least four or five times that year. For whatever reason, his September, he did, he only hit like one or two homers in his last like 70 plate appearances, whatever it was. So he's been so close, and for whatever reason, back injury, whatever, it sidelined that progression. This is the year, Corey. Bold prediction. Yeah. Rizzo, over 35. 35. Brian. Wow. Yes. So yeah. not only is Book he it. doing it, he's blowing not, past it. I'm I'm not done yet. Okay. I'm not done yet. Bryant over 40. Whoa. Okay. And I'm going Schwarber over 30 as well. I think those three guys. <laughs> Brendan, I I I I I was hoping that you were just going to keep going. I was hoping that you were just going to keep going there. So you said Rizzo over 35, Bryant over 40, <laughs> Schwarber over 100. Um Of course. But no, that's still good. Yeah, so I think yeah, I, I think I think this is a year to stay healthy. Uh, it looks like Rizzo lost some weight, but he said it was because of his wedding. So look, I don't put too much stock in that anyway. But that's that's what I got. Just hopefully Rizzo gets a lot of massages, stretches out that back. I want no injuries in April. That you know what? That's what I really want. I want zero injuries the first five yeah. weeks. If I sure, get that, of course. I'm, I'm happy. I, zero injuries ever would be great, but yeah, early on is good too. I mean, just to give me some hope, you know? Like yeah. If, like, yeah, I'm not going to go down this deep rabbit hole. You're not, you're not, you're, you're pushing me down. And yeah. I'm not do- no, I'm I don't want to do that. that. But yeah, so. I, man, and like just looking at, I'm, I'm on Rizzo's fan graph page. You, you would see the same results on MLB.com or whatever, but this guy is so remarkably consistent. We are so lucky to have Anthony Rizzo and That's I mean, you know, kind of like too. speaking of like, like how that trade work out for you, um, <laughs> you know, where we were talking with the Rangers, like, yeah, where's Andrew Cash San Diego? Um, but just like since 2015, 101, 109, 109, 101 are his RBI totals. Like, could that be any more consistent? Like literally only two numbers spread out across the four years. <laughs> Run totals, 94, 94, 99, 74. Obviously he takes a step back in 2018 as did the, you know, the rest of the Cubs offense. But home runs, 31, 32, 32, 25. This all just since uh, 2015. You know, plate appearances, 701, 676, 691, 665. You can even go into the walk rate and the K rate and it's all like remarkably consistent. Uh, the K rate has actually gotten lower. It was uh, 12 yeah. last year, which is the Isn't lowest of his uh, major league career. So very lucky to that was just a quick aside i think you guys all know this but just like wow anthony rizzo is really good uh that that's the the hard-hitting insight that people tune to the cubs related podcast for brendan uh in insight like that anthony rizzo very good uh so you're welcome for for that but 
Yeah, I I, th- I think he gets over it. I, I it's it's not like a real like threshold. I don't think he like particularly cares about it. Um, but it is he's just probably funny to aware see someone hit that same number uh, so many times. And you know he's got the potential. So yeah, I, I think I think this is the year that uh, uh, he does it. I'm with you on KB. KB's healthy, man. He's out for blood. It's over like, forty. Look just out. Book it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. healthy. Yeah. He looks great. And I think that in so much as you can make Chris Bryant angry, I think he's pissed off. I think it bothers him that people act like he is not one of the best players in Major League Baseball, which he is. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And if you've got an (laughs) argument with me there, I'm more than happy to have it with you uh, because he is one of the best players in Major League Baseball. And I don't mean like top 50 or top 20. I'm talking top five. No questions asked. Chris Bryant is one of those players. So I am really pumped to see him back out there. And I'm with you. Yeah, book me for over 40. Chris Bryant's one of those guys you could give me any over or under you want. I'm taking the over. He's going to do it. Uh, We're getting another MVP on the north side of Chicago, folks. I think that's uh, what's going to happen. But I I do a a, a couple more for you. And then, uh, you know, we can kind of get out of everybody's way here and let you guys enjoy opening day. But who leads the Chicago Cubs and saves at the end of the wow. year. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we expect Morrow back in early May. Mm-hmm. He's not guaranteed a job. Likely won't go consecutive days. I I think Strobe just takes command, man. I think if he has, and that's another point to mention too. If Strobe goes out there in the first three weeks, locks down that role, like I don't see Morrow getting that back from Strope with mm-hmm. the veteran leadership, the history of success. So I think if I had to pick anyone, I would go with Strope. I would go Strope with like 20, 28 saves, Corey, is is my number. Yeah, I, I think I would go with Strope too. I think that even if Morrow gets in there and, and gets some of those opportunities, I, I think that uh, he's, you know, we, we don't know that he's going to be able to take on the role completely. So uh, I, I, th- I think that Strope definitely is a candidate to do that and I mean look like I said kind of earlier here like if he's throwing like he was in that game against the Red Sox uh good luck to everybody because that was just absolute filth coming from him um one more for you and and I don't really consider the the home run totals you threw out before a particularly bold prediction do you have like a real bold prediction for me that is just not something that people are, are expecting. Someone that plays a role on this team that maybe people aren't expecting. I can offer mine first, if you like, to you know kind of get the ball rolling. I got, a very, I got, I got a good one. I got okay. a good one. Yeah, go for it. I got David Bodie batting fifth, game one of the NLDS. That's my that's my bold prediction. I think I, I I'm getting very comfortable declaring David Bodie is my guy. Like I'm I'm getting there, Corey. Okay. Um. So I th- I think that's it. Just everything we've seen from the past year, just it just screams breakout. It's such yeah. a, a unique career trajectory. I that's that's what I got. We, we we know he had a great spring. We know he's aware of his issues. We know that he's taking steps to hit higher fastballs. I love the glove. I I don't know. I just feel like he's going to take command of it. So yeah, I think come. Game one of the NLDS, which is another prediction in itself. I got David Bodie batting fifth. Yeah, so you and I are actually, for some reason, kind of in sync on these. Uh, that is not exactly what mine was going to be. Okay. But I was going to say that by a certain point in this year, your middle infield is Javi Baez and David Bodie. And wow. that there are no questions about it. <laughs> now, I know that Bodie could you know, potentially move to third, you move KB to the outfield. So don't get all semantics on me. Uh, but I, I think that there there comes a point in this year where David Bodie has proven himself enough that your middle infield is those guys on a, a regular basis and uh, that there isn't really a question about that. So Let's go. Let's effing go. Yeah. And I, I don't have a you know, I, I don't know, like the exact prediction, but I, I, I think I said this on, on the last episode with Michael that I, I, I do think that this is like Kyle Schwarber is going to ascend this year. I, I, I again, I, I can't put like a specific number on it, but I just think like this is the year we see the hitter we've we've always dreamed of. And certainly we've gotten 
uh, plenty of glimpses of that, I don't think. Uh, you know, Brendan, might I just take one more opportunity to mention the 2016 World Series in terms of, uh, you know, Schwarber kind of showing us the the, the, the hitter that he absolutely can be. Uh, but I think this is the year, like, he removes some of those questions about, like, should he be playing every day? Should he hit against lefties? You know, all just the questions around him. I think he sheds a lot of them and, and becomes more of that hitter that, that we've always dreamed of. But Again, I think uh, both you and I expect this team to win the division. Did you want to put like a, a win total on it? I think we usually do that, Brendan. Um, I mean, we kind of look whether or not you want to want to put stock in these types of predictions is up to you. But yeah, we can do it. We got to get I think, on record. Yeah, yeah, you got to get on record. I think I, I think the variance or whatever is going to be high. So I could see the team going. I could see them going upwards to to the upper ninety win limit. Seriously, and then at the same time. If catastrophe hits, then yeah, I think you could see them unfortunately go in the low 80s. But if I'm betting on this, I think they're the best team in the National League. And I have no issue saying that. I think the Dodgers, and by the way, Corey and I are in LA for the majority of the year. The Dodgers are getting smacked around. You think the Cubs had a bad offseason? Oh my word. Listen to these Dodger takes. So I think realistically around the National League, the the Phillies got better, of course. The Cardinals got better, of course. The Brewers made a case of getting better, but they, I think, they have a little bit more question marks. I, I still think so, and I think ultimately the reason why I think the Cubs have the best chance of being that best team in the NL is just the quantity of risk. They have risk on the team. Don't get me wrong, but they have a lot of those risk, and all they need is just a few of those to click. Can, for example. Bodie transform himself? Can Almora take command of that center field job? Can the rotation stay healthy and fight off some of those projected age curve dips? If that's the case, and you combine that with Darvish being healthy and Chris Bryant being the guy he's always been, who is better than this team, Corey? So yes, I think it's hard to predict. I could see them going up, going down, but if everything does kind of just work its way out, I don't see a team better than them. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think normally you guys can can ticket me for predicting them to win at least 100 games. I, I don't think that they do that. I, I, I will limit myself in that regard. But I, I think I would throw out 95 again. I, I don't see any reason, again, like you said, why this team is not the best in the league. They, they have the potential to do so. Every team's got questions. Every team has stuff that, you know, they need to go right or, you know, a couple things to break their way, right? And and so the Cubs aren't alone in that. But I, I think they have so much talent and the hunger is there for this team. Um, but predictions aside, it, it's about that time. Not to get like all like hype speech, right, on you guys <laughs> or like, you know, turn into like my inner like youth basketball coach and try to inspire everybody here. But it's it's that time of year where, you know, we, I always say, like, we like to talk about this stuff because, A, we're hosting a podcast and we need stuff to talk about, but B, you know, especially when they're not playing, it, it it's fun and interesting to look at these things from an analytic perspective and, and try to break them down, understand them more, and even if we come across an opinion that that we have that's stupid or that we think is stupid. It's it's interesting to break it down and, and, and try to understand it more and just dig deeper into this game that we all love and, and, and this team that we are all following on a second-by-second second basis, right, like for, <laughs> for most of us. But Opening day, you know, it's it, it's the, the old adage, right? Like, hope springs eternal. Like, everybody is in it on opening day, and... I, for one, will, you know, no doubt be repping Cubs blue. My yeah, Cubs that's, the, that's, that's the question. What are you wearing tomorrow? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I got to say, I have an Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation shirt that is like Ooh. super comfortable. Um, Good karma too. I like it. That, well, I guess that's not why I, <laughs> that's that's not what I'm in it for. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I love that shirt and, you know, I love supporting Rizzo as well, but I will be in my Cubs stuff and you know we we have to kind of switch gear into remembering like this is one of the best teams in major league baseball since 2015 Let's go. and 
again, like, I understand what happened at the end of last year. We all watched it. You guys listened to us talk about it, right? But at the end of the day, some of the narrative, and I've talked about this on here before, around this team throughout this offseason was crazy. Totally crazy. Pakoda, 79 wins. This team, a basement dweller in the National League. Get the F out of here. These are Theo Epstein's Chicago Cubs. They have not won less than 92 games with Joe Madden at the helm and with this core that we are seeing once again this year. Chris Bryant is healthy. Hugh Darvish is healthy. El Mago is back and looking to avenge not winning the MVP last year to a freaking Milwaukee Brewer. You think these guys aren't hungry that the Milwaukee Brewers took their division on their field? You bet they are. So it's opening day. Put on your Cub stuff and get ready to support these boys because they are one of the best teams in the league and they are going to prove it, Brendan. So get on board the hype train now or it's leaving the station because the Cubs are out for blood. They are out for another successful year and they are looking to add another World Series championship. And Brendan, I am thrilled to be along for the ride. That's uh, that's the best outro you've ever had there, Corey. <laughs> uh, I got nothing else to say, man. I'm 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 ready to go. Just wrap it up. Take it. Take us into the season, Corey. Sounds like a plan, Brendan. Guys, it was a pleasure this off season. As I always say, we thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, once again, you know, we read these reviews, we see the response that you guys have to our show, and it, it, it really means the world to us. It's, it's beyond humbling um, to read what you guys say and read the response to this show. And I know that, you know, sometimes the off-season episodes are maybe more interesting than a regular season, and, and sometimes they get a little repetitive, and you're thinking, there's no way these guys are going to talk about Bryce Harper again. But I appreciate all of you sticking with us. And, you know, as we've said before, this will be the the fourth season, the third full season of us uh, doing this podcast and covering the Cubs. We will be with you before and after every series, as you guys have come to expect, uh, on, you know, the night that the series ends, we record and preview the next one twice a week. You'll hear from us uh, and you can take that to the bank. So as always, we thank you guys for joining us. And, you know, again, like the season's just beginning. So we all love this team. We all love baseball, uh, at least in the early going. Uh, just try to enjoy it. I hope however you are watching opening day, whether you have uh, called in sick to work or school or whatever your obligations are, or if, uh, you know, you're listening on the radio or watching the MLB game day on your computer at work, whatever it is, or if you're like me when I used to be in, uh, you know, like junior high school, sneaking a radio into class and listening to Pat Hughes just because I could not not know what was going on. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I, I it's, it's fun. It's great to start the season again, and I hope that opening day is uh, one that everyone enjoys. So once again, I, I we, we both, from Brendan and I, we thank you guys for listening and, and being a part of this show. And I, I mean it, we are very excited to be covering another season of Chicago Cubs baseball. And uh, I don't have to offer a, a clarification this time. There is no if we're doing this, uh, but always. The, the answer today and the end of the podcast is simply, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Each of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful. Not only to support our loved ones, but to positively impact our communities throughout the country. What do you think a private Christian education looks like? Grand Canyon University graduates 25,000 students yearly and offers more than 225 high-quality programs across nine colleges. Find your purpose at GCU. Visit gcu.edu. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.